Cheers. Okay, welcome to part two of Red Foxes. Um, as promised, we're going to talk about behavior and lifespan and crazy facts and story time. So enjoy part two. Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jayla. We just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals, just animal enthusiasts. We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they can do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. Thanks Thanks for for joining us. us. Enjoy! Behavior. Behavior. Behave. (laughs) Your? Behavior. (laughs) Behavior. 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 (laughs) (laughs) If we say it enough times, it'll be normal, right? (laughs) I'll catch on. (laughs) What are we talking about? Uh... Behavior. (laughs) Behavior. Okay, cool. Fox behavior. Foxes do make excellent parents. We're going to start there. Until nine days after birth, fox cubs are blind. During that time, it is said that the male will bring... You're stealing my material! Oh, I'm so sorry! (laughs) I thought this was interesting. Talking about their babies and things. Well, because, because I think it's really cool that the male will bring food to the mom. Yep, and sometimes toys. Aw, I didn't know that. (laughs) I give you your fact back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Um, but so they're really good parents. Like what I found about foxes is that re- they're really good parents, and they mate for life. Mm, not necessarily. What? Maybe oh. I should go first. <laughs> well, maybe I'll skip all these. Okay. Um, you you skip them I guess... for now. I'll go over my stuff, and what I miss, you cover. Does that sound good? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, maybe you should go first. Well, cause yeah, when I was talking, when I was learning about behavior, it started as like, well, this is what the cub does, and then this is what the adult does, and then this is what the families do, and then this is what groups of foxes do, and then it goes into like how fox interactions work, and like how different foxes from different families interact, and then it's like all free for free for so all maybe for our own future things we should just combine behavior with like the mating and babies and stuff maybe we should <laughs> or since they seem but, to coincide with at least the foxes yes Platypus is not so much but one goes before the other and we make sure that it goes before the other true okay well i'll let you have the floor then since you're going to talk <laughs> about the pups and like little kittens and and the parents and the dogs and the vixens and yes the okay. leash of foxes. <laughs> so back to me. Sorry. Um. So they're mating. Um. Their mating season is during the winter. Um. And their rituals are that the female will kind of mark her scent around her territory, and sometimes she does like this scream call sound. Um. I think we have that noise. She- do you? Oh no, you have that noise. 
I don't know if it's a heat sound. It's just like a yell that the fox oh. does because it wants to play. Um, which we'll play that one after this for your behavior. Oh yeah, sorry. I got really excited about the noise. <laughs> I mean, I can play the noise now if you want. No, it's it's okay. Okay. Do you. So sorry. She does like this call sound um, when she goes into heat, and then when a male. Um, like a male will keep close to her like when they find one another um and if they bond they stick together and they'll hunt and they'll play and they'll sleep together until it's time to actually do the deed um and when the female is ready they'll actually get it on um some males will stick around the whole time um while others will leave and then majority oh. of the time, though, the males or the father will, like, hang out and help, like, take care of the family. Um, you should have definitely gone first. <laughs> <laughs> so, some red foxes mate for life, while others have multiple mates. They aren't sure if this is just, like, because of, like, a location and population thing. Like, if there's only so many foxes in a certain area... Mm-hmm. That's why they, like, if it's, like, a small population, they just stick with their own mate because there's not very many. Or if they're, like, in a very large um, population, if they'll just keep mixed, like, having multiple mates. They don't really know. um, But regardless, sometimes they mate for life and other times they'll have multiple mates. Um, But what they do know is that a female typically um, will only ever bond with one male, regardless of how many mates she has. Hmm. So I think that's interesting. So she could, like, have this bond with one male and then, like, for whatever reason, have other mates, like, whether it was before or after that male, like, dies or something. But, um, yeah. And then also, they usually... Um, the dominant males and the dominant females are the only ones that will mate together. So if there are two females around, the male will only mate with the dominant female. He won't mate with the subordinate one and vice versa. Like the dominant female will only mate with the dominant male. That makes Um, sense because I found that there's a hierarchy in the fox uh world. There is. That does make sense. Um, so after they do the deed, females will make or find a den Um, and then I said before, sometimes they have multiple dens on their territory and they're pregnant for about 49 to 58 days. And then they can have a litter from one to 13 pups. Isn't that crazy? That's so many. The average is five, (laughs) but they could have anywhere between one to 13. Um, and they're born in the spring. And so the dad, um, the father, the Todd, the dog, (laughs) Um, he brings food for the mom, like, while she's in her den. Like, he'll bring her food while she's pregnant, and then also after when she's, like, feeding the babies. He'll bring her food and leave her food, but he rarely, if ever, actually does enter the maternity den. Um, but he'll always be, like, hunting. He's constantly hunting, because as Jayla mentioned, they stash their food. Regardless if they're hungry or not, they'll hunt and find food and the families like the moms and the dads will just always be bringing food to the den Hmm. um and sometimes the dad will also bring toys which is so so cute cute. um babies the pups um are blind when they're born and they're brown or gray except for their little white tip tail 
Um, after about four weeks, they start to develop their color. And then after about five weeks is when they start to venture out of the den. And the dad will hang around with them and play with them, but mostly he just brings them food. Um, and then the parents will also try to bring a variety of food to make sure that the pups like to be taught to recognize a good meal, which I think oh, is so interesting. So the picky ones probably pass on the picky eating. That is true. They probably <laughs> only give them one thing or like only feed them meat or only feed them Maybe. mice or something. Maybe. Huh? Um. So when the pups are about three weeks old, though, like when they're just barely able to start walking um they already start to develop their social hierarchy they start to fight for dominance already at three weeks old um and it's to establish the pecking order and that will influence the rest of their lives and this is a sad fact but one in five pups don't make it out of the den so sad yes um which is why you should have 13 (laughs) Yes, the mom won't interact with um, them when they're doing their social hierarchy fighting, um, but she still stays close and still, like, cares for her young. Um, So, like, they have a video of it, like, where you can see, like, the pups are fighting, and they're not being gentle, playful fighting, they're, like, hardcore fighting, and the mom is just kind of, like, glancing and ignoring them, but then at other points she's, like, caring for them and, like, feeding them and licking them and giving them love. Um, so she still does care for them, but she also, like, respects the social hierarchy stuff. Interesting. Yeah. As the pups are weaned, they need more food, so both parents are more regularly hunting to be able to feed the family. Um, so they leave the pups, um, and, like, for longer periods of times, and they let the pups venture out and explore more. And the parents will leave food around the den for the pups to find. So they have to, like, seek out and find their, the food that the parents stash around their den for them. Scavenger um, hunt. Yeah, because the parents still like to hunt alone, so they won't really hunt together anymore at this point. That's only during their courting times. So, yeah, they like to hunt alone, so they don't really bring their pups with them, so they don't teach them how to hunt. They kind of just let them learn on their own, so it's kind of a trial and error thing. Um, And until they can hone in their own hunting skills, they eat a lot of worms, insects, and berries until they get good at hunting. The pups will reach sexual maturity maturity (laughs) at about 10 months, um, usually around autumn. And then that's when they'll, like, leave the den and find their own territory and leave the parents' territory. Most of the time, it's always the males, the dogs that will, like, leave right away. And then sometimes the moms will allow their daughters to stay and help raise the next batch of babies, like the mom's next litter. So they kind of stay and hunt for extra food to feed the family. Um, And then sometimes the daughters will also have pups at the same time as the mom. And so they'll kind of raise their babies together. And all three will hunt (laughs) for food for the giant family. And then the moms are protective because when they're still small and the mom is still, like, near the den a lot, if she senses danger, she has, like, an alarm call slash bark sound to warn her pups to get in the den. Um, So she protects them from eagles and other predators because babies are easier to snatch and grab by eagles. And then sometimes the foxes will, like, try to fight off eagles Um, which is crazy, 
And then for the urban foxes, coyotes are a bigger issue since they're three times their size. They usually leave adult foxes alone, but they will still attack them sometimes. Um, but getting a pup is really easy. So she'll like warn her pups, they'll go hide in their den. And then if the coyotes are like kind of digging around or sniffing around the den, she'll like bait the coyotes to chase her. Um, and she'll try to lead them away from her den to keep her baby safe. All right. So I was watching a documentary and it showed, um, like a mom and a dad and with their three pups and then the mom and the dad were like starting to hunt more often and the pups were like doing their own thing and venturing out and like trying to figure things out on their own. And it was really sad because there was like a storm. So one of the pups didn't make it. And then it showed the mom bringing the pup back, like his little dead body. It was so sad. But I was like, aw, so cute. She's mourning her last baby. She brought it to the other pups. They sniffed it and they were all sad. And then she like took it off and like set it off somewhere else and just like Mm -hmm. sat with it for a minute. And I was like, aw, she's mourning her dead baby. She started to eat it. So gross. <laughs> not what I expected you to say. Because I found documentation of, like, foxes will bury their dead. <laughs> she ate her dead baby. <laughs> That's horrible. Like, in it, they're like, it's survival, it's food. I'm like, but it, she brought it all the way from where she found it. <laughs> But, just to eat it? But her kids sniffed it and were like, oh, that doesn't smell good or it smells too familiar. I don't know if, like, she just, like, brought it there and, like, they came up at that point and were like, food? No? Okay. Or, like... Right. I don't know. Or if because she took it away, they were like, oh, not for us. I don't know. But it was so gross. Oh, man. <laughs> Trying to figure out what's going through this mom's head. <laughs> so gross. That's my gross story for you. Oh, thanks, Nicole. Yep, you can talk about behavior now. That was not something I was going to (laughs) cover. I had to share that with you because I was watching. I was like, aw. (laughs) Beware of all the videos about foxes out there because there's some (laughs) there's some testy ones out there. (laughs) Oh, Oh, thanks. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't, I don't know how to recover from that. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't even have a segue because <laughs> my fact literally goes into foxes are known to be friendly and curious. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me just eat my child and then go back to being friendly and curious. I mean. They are friendly and curious. They are friendly and curious. But they are wild animals. They're not domesticated. Yeah, that's very true. They are not dogs. No. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) So, Nicole talked about how pups grew up and how they kind of do their thing and the behavioral hierarchy. She touched on that. Um... That doesn't really change. Like, once it's established as their littles, um, they don't really grow out of it. They can't really move up the chain or do anything outside of it. Um, At least from what I found, they don't really 
you can't once you're like a lower lower fox you can't become the higher fox dominant yeah uh, yeah. You don't fight for dominance later on in life? No. Um, That's so interesting. And even from, like, almost family to family of foxes, they almost, like, gossip and, like, know about who's on the lower food chain. Um, That's so weird. So even if you were to migrate from one family to another family because you found your mate in the other family, that doesn't mean that you go higher or lower you like stay at that same level at least that's what i found you can correct me if i'm wrong if anyone's out there and was like i'm gonna fight you on this one go for it tell me (laughs) (laughs) you tell us you tell us you can email us with all your facts i'm down Mm. to hear them um so that was interesting um, that is interesting. There is a story about um, mothers bringing food to their children, though. There's once uh, England, in England, um, a pup was caught in a wire trap, and they estimated he was there for at least two weeks. Um, oh. But it survived because the mother was seen bringing it food every day. That's um, so cute. And when humans finally found the pup, they like snipped it out of the fencing and made sure it was okay and then like let it go and it was reunited with its mother and it was really cute. That's so so cute. I guess humans do good things for foxes. <laughs> yes. We do we just, that a lot of them save them. <laughs> yes. Don't just hunt them. Um Foxes are known to be friendly and curious, and they like to play a lot. They like to play with themselves. They like to play with other animals. (laughs) (laughs) We're appropriate. Um, They they like um, to play with other animals, kind of like cats and dogs. So they Mm -hmm. like to play with their food. They like to play with toys. Um, They do really enjoy balls. Um, so they will steal them <laughs> from <laughs> toy balls, Nicole. <laughs> they like to play with themselves and they like balls. <laughs> yes, that is what I said. <laughs> they like to play with balls and they'll find them in people's backyards. So if your dog toy just goes missing, it's usually somewhere lost in the backyard or a fox could have taken it. They will also steal golf balls off of courses, Um, and they've been found in their dens, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Um, So one of the main things that I wanted to talk about, though, is that there's a theory out there that foxes kill for fun, right? They specifically, I typed up, foxes kill for funsies, question mark? And this is mostly based on people who own chicken coops or own um, small, like, rabbits in their backyard or rodents or just have animals. And the idea is that foxes will go into the chicken coop and they will slaughter all of the chickens. And while, yes, that has happened, it's not necessarily up to the fox to decide, is this chicken coop worth slaughtering? Um, am I going to catch one of them? Or if I go in there, are they all going to start talking? And then I'm going to have to shut them all up. And then I've just killed them all. You know, like that 
process, that thinking process doesn't go through a fox head. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I like that narrative. Um, <laughs> Do I have to shut them all up? Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's a, literally the example that I found is like, a fox doesn't go through the same set of problem solving that a human does. So yeah. for you to project that feeling onto a fox doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty unlikely. Um, it's also unlikely for a fox to go in there and think, hey, all of those birds are in there. If I kill every single one and I bury them now, I won't have to hunt later. Because as we've talked about, foxes hunt. Like, they just continuously hunt and bury things. And that's just in what they do. Like, that's just their animal instinct. Constantly eating and pooping, so they gotta be constantly <laughs> hunting. Right, right. They don't think of it as, like, it's a weakness. Um, it, I mean, it is. It, you're literally putting your chickens out there for, you know, to see if something catches them or not, I guess. But... <laughs> I, I don't think anyone puts their chickens out there to see if anything catches them. I think people put their chickens out there because they stink and they need to be outside. And they want eggs. That's probably true. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm that a fox... I'm going to put my chickens out there to see if anything catches it. <laughs> Next time you put a chicken outside, Nicole, I want you to go through that thought I'm process. I'm sending you outside. Let's see if anything catches you. <laughs> go away. You know what? Foxes can take any chickens I have. I don't want chickens. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'd be sad if my chickens suddenly disappeared because I'd be like, oh, my chicken is gone. It's dead. That's sad. Yeah. But I'll never own chickens, so it's fine. <laughs> Anyways, that's it. Nicole's not gonna own chickens. I hope you hold her to that twenty years from now. If there are chickens on my property, they're not mine. They might be my husband's, but they are not mine. <laughs> I will not feed them. I will not use their eggs to bake delicious. Oh, I'll goods. use their eggs, but I will not retrieve those eggs. <laughs> Fair enough. So all of that to be said. Uh, if the fox doesn't manage to get into a chicken coop, we're just going to stay on the chicken thing. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't manage to get in, and it's with, it's worth reinforcing the point that the chicken wire was designed to keep the chickens in and not the foxes out. That's why it's called chicken wire, not fox wire. Um, it's so highly probable <laughs> that the panic will break out among the birds um and so that's what triggers the fox to attack so if a, if one chicken sets off all the other chickens and they're all going crazy that's what triggers the fox to go into its predatory drive and um sense that it needs to chase it needs to catch it needs to kill it needs to shut it down like it needs to get everything shut or it down it needs to get out because it's in danger, um, which does also happen. But it's an instinctive behavior. It's not something that it consciously goes in there thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if if a building is burning, your instinct behavior is to run away. It's not to, I'm going to take all of these things and throw them into the fire because that will stop it, you know, like... I love how defensive you are <laughs> about the fox killing chicken. This is one of like the classic story of like 
the fox and the hound. It's just, it's so, I don't know. Fox and the Hound was a movie that I grew up with and watched mm. over and over and over and over and over and over. And this is one of those stories that I feel like gets to people when they're so triggered about foxes and how awful and evil and careless and scary and ridiculously annoying they are and it's like they're not they're just living they're just trying to find food they're animals yeah they're wild animals it's an instinctive behavior that they can't control um so all of that to be said take care of your chickens (laughs) don't poison those foxes don't shoot them give them something else to eat throw something else out there because people do also retune I can't say it. Retunely? Like, in a routine? Routinely? Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't say that word. Retune. 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 What are you, me all of a sudden? (laughs) Routinely. Routinely feed, um, just like you would routinely feed a deer and put food out there or feed birds, um, you can do that with foxes if they're also causing, uh, something to happen and you're missing chickens all of a sudden like you can put something else out there you don't have to just kill them um or you could use one of the migratory like ways and make them move or find an expert because that's what they're hired for just saying so passionate fox so much passion anyways misunderstood creatures because of fox in the hound (laughs) Because of because those of cartoons, those dang chickens, they are deceiving the fox. It's all the chickens' fault. It's all those murdered chickens' fault. <laughs> Foxes are pretty sly, though. I will say that. <laughs> They're just really clever and smart. That is true. Well adapted. They're well adapted. It's true because they can live literally everywhere. <laughs> yep. Um, foxes, on the other hand. Foxes do use a variety of vocalizations. So that's kind of what Nicole was talking about, is that they use them to help protect their children. They use them to warn each other. They use them to mate. Um, They communicate among themselves by using those vocalizations. So what does the fox say? I have uh, two sounds for y'all to hear. Here's the first one. I think that's so funny. And then the second one is them chirping almost, which almost sounds like they're like chattering, which sounds like they're laughing. (laughs) It goes on like that for like a minute. Do you know what they're doing in that video? They're playing. Oh, okay. That's interesting. They kind of sound like hyenas, too, like, but less, like, shorter yips. Yeah. So, they're, like, chattering, um, but yeah, and that one they're playing. Both of the videos I found, they were kind of playing. So, the first one was the fox was playing with, like, this bigger dog, um, and then the dog went inside, and the fox was, like, still outside and was like, Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then Sully, like, walked away and looked back and, like, yelled again, like, I'm gonna come back out. (laughs) Um... And then that one, it was two foxes playing. Nice. 
nice. and like kind of being a little submissive, but mostly playing. So, chatting. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, the more submissive one is also the vixen. Okay. Interesting. Occasionally, the vixen will turn and be like, "I've had enough," and then be the more dominant one, but only for like that second, like until the dominant or Sounds the like Todd. Me. Is like I'm like whatever, yeah. whatever until I snap and then I'm like no, <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. I've had enough. Had enough. Um, right. Yeah. So foxes will communicate vocally as we just heard, or they will also use facial expressions like we do, which is kind of funny. Um, That's interesting. And they will also use scent markings a lot. So scent markings is through urine, feces, and sac secretions, glands around the lips, jaws, and actually the uh, pads on their feet. Interesting. Um, mm -hmm. There have been... Smelly things. (laughs) Right. They are pretty smelly. Um, From what I found, there have been recordings of 20 to 30 different kinds of vocalizations described in red foxes specifically. And... Individual foxes have distinct voices. Oh, so you can that's so tell weird. foxes apart. It's so cool. What? So, like, Nicole and my voice doesn't sound the same. It's kind of the same in the fox world. That would make this um, podcast so confusing. If we had the same voice. <laughs> yes. If we were just walking, like, talking back and forth. Uh-huh. Um... And the most common heard calls are the bark and the scream because they are usually the loudest and can be heard over some distance. So. Interesting. Yep, yep, yep. That's what I've got on their behaviors. Alright. Their lifespan in the wild is about two to five years. Um, while in captivity, it's about 10 to 12 years, um, and they just, it's because they adapt really well that they're totally a-okay to be in captivity. No problem. No problema. But yeah, so they live a lot longer in captivity because they don't have to worry about predators and they get regular feedings and things, so. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Story time, story time. (laughs) Okay. So, first of all, let's go over a few famous foxes that most of you have probably heard of. A lot of them, like a few of them, appear in Disney movies. So there's, like, foxes in the original story and in the Disney version of Pinocchio. Fox and the Hound. Yes. That's what Jayla was dancing to. Um, Robin Hood, which I used to have a crush on the fox. (laughs) Robin Hood. Um, Zootopia. They also appear in other literatures. Dr. Seuss has written about foxes. There's plenty of myths and legends in a wide variety of cultures. They appear in video games like Star Fox. They appear in Sonic the Hedgehog. They're in anime shows and comics. There's Pokemon inspired by foxes like Eevee and other ones. That's true. And they're in kids shows like Dora the Explorer. Swipe or no swiping. (laughs) Alright, so story times. I... (laughs) I looked up, um, like, old stories, because I was like, oh, like, that one, like, the one Apache story about the fox stealing the fire from the fireflies. I was trying to find, like, stories like that, but all I found were just so crazy. A good chunk of them (laughs) were these, this fox was, like, met with all these different animals. Like, there was one he met with, like, an elk or a buffalo or 
um, a prairie dog or like a f- kingfisher or something. And they all like provided meals for the fox. Like they had him over for dinner. They did like this crazy thing and made him food. Like the kingfisher like broke the ice, like jumped on the ice, broke it and had like a bunch of fish and fed the fox. Or the prairie dog stuck these sticks in the fire and then when he pulled them out, they were roasted prairie dogs and fed the fox or the buffalo or the elk. Wait, wait, hold up. The prairie yeah, dog fed him other yes. prairie dogs. But they were sticks when he stuck it in the fire, and when he pulled it out, they were prairie dogs, so it was, like, magic. Terrifying. Um, right? I had to reread that, like, five times and be like, what? Um, or there's, like, a buffalo or, like, an elk, like, shoots an arrow, and it lands, and he pulls out his own kidney or, like, cuts off parts of his own body and feeds it oh to the gosh. fox. Oh, my gosh. And then every single time, the fox is like, now you can come to my house for dinner. And then he tries doing the same thing and basically almost kills himself every single time. And then every single time they, like, help him, save him, feed him more food because he can't feed them. And they say this line to him, I am a medicine man. That is why I can do this. Do not do what I do. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) But, like, I read, like, this one long story with, like, all these different tells of that, and I was like, that was weird. And then I moved on to another short story, and then it was, like, almost the exact same thing, and I was like, they tricked me! (laughs) Um, So it's it's the same story, but written in different ways. Yeah, and then there's a story about um, a fox sees a deer, and it has, like, she has her fawns, and they're, like, these really pretty colors, and they have, like, their white spots, and... The fox is like, I love the coloring of your fawns. How did you get them to be that color? And she's like, oh, I set them around the fire and, like, the spots landed on them and stayed. And so he's like, I want this, like, coloring for my babies. So he put them around a fire and they weren't changing color. So he pushed them into the fire and then they finally changed color. So when the fire went out, he, like, pulled them out and they were black and dead. And then he, like, went after the deer for revenge. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He killed his babies. (laughs) That's how the story ends. Oh, man. See, that's not what I thought. I thought you were going to be like, oh, he put their tails in, and that's how they got the tip or something. Nope. They died. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was one, like, they talk about how he got his, like, big, wide mouth. It used to be, like, small and dainty, but um, he broke a promise to, like, a duck or something. (laughs) Um, and as punishment from him laughing, his mouth became really big and wide, and so it stayed that way as punishment for breaking his promise. Huh, Um, that's funny. And then there's a story about, (laughs) there was a story about a porcupine who had killed a buffalo, I want to say it was a buffalo, and he was like, I need a knife to cut up this meat, and then the fox heard him, and he's like, what did you say? He's like, I need a knife. He's like, you said you had meat, and he's like, I do, and so then the fox ended up tricking the porcupine, um, by getting, um, anyways, the funny thing about this story, though, is that the porcupine was like, I asked the ox or the buffalo or whatever to, like, help me cross the river, but he was afraid I was going to, like, poke him, I have to read it to you. It's so ridiculous. No, I can't. <laughs> but it says, so he went into his anus. What? <laughs> he was afraid of getting poked, so he went into his anus to cross. The ox went into the porcupine? No, the porcupine went into the oxes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Where did you 
find these stories. And then the porcupine went and, like, killed a bunch of foxes out of revenge for <laughs> tricking him into giving him the meat. Which is really sad. But the story I really want to read you of, like, one of these ancient stories is called The Dancing Fox, because I was reading it, and it was just making me laugh. Oh, my so, gosh. Okay. I'm really bad at reading out loud, so bear with me. <clears throat> the Dancing Fox. Foxes love to dance. They dance in the dark with young women who slip quietly from their beds and come running into the night. Ooh. But the fox who dances must wear a disguise. He must hide his long, bushy tail. He must wrap it around himself and stuff it inside his trousers. So, <laughs> when he does this, it is really too warm. He perspires, yet he still dances, or he is still able to dance. Now, one of these foxes was a young, was young, and he never missed the nightly dance. Towards morning, however, as the cock began to crow, he would always hurry away. This fine fox was a, um, was a subtle flatterer, flatterer, a favorite of all the young women. Each of them wanted to dance with him, and as it happened, one or another would sometimes feel slighted and grow rest resentful. One of them once, in a fit of, whatever, throwing a fit, drew her companions inside and pointed out that the fox always left before dawn. Who was he, and why did he run away? The young woman wondered. Then they made up their minds to catch him and hold him until it was daylight. The next night, when it was fully dark, they made their circles and began to dance. Soon the fox appeared, and as usual, disguised as a young man in a shirt and trousers. Suspecting nothing, he danced and sang. The girls made him heady, and with, heady with caresses, and he became <laughs> more spirited and more flattering than ever. As soon as the cock crowed, he started to leave. No, no, they all cried. Don't go, not yet. The cock crowed six times. You can stay till the fifth. The dancing continued, and they were there were more caresses. The fox forgot that he had to leave, and at last the white light of dawn appeared. Frightened, he tried to flee, but the young women held him. They entangled him in their arms. Then suddenly, with a growl, he bit their hands, Walked over their heads and ran as he oh my left gosh. his trousers ripped open and out flew his tail. The girls all shrieked with laughter. They called after him and mocked him as he ran out of sight, his long bushy tail waving between his legs. Then he disappeared and was seen no more. He never came back. Are we sure this is about a fox? <laughs> right? That's what I want to know. Because it just sounds like a bunch of girls making fun of a poor boy. <laughs> that is exactly what it says. <laughs> right? There were more caresses. <laughs> and he got and more he made fun of his bushy tail as it ripped out of his pants. <laughs> I know. I love the detail that they stuffed it in trousers, which made them hot, so they perspired. But they were still able to dance. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but those were some of the old-timey stories I found. I have a really good one That's from great. 2020. <laughs> that actually okay. happened. It's a real-life news story. Um... So, in Berlin, a man named Christian Meyer lost one of his sneakers. After he investigated, investigated it, he got a tip, and then he saw a fox running off with flip-flops. 
The next time he followed the fox, um, next time he saw the fox, he followed it into a thicket, and after searching for about an hour, he found a stash of shoes. There were 100 different shoes, all different sizes and colors, um, containing sneakers, boots, clogs, slippers, sandals, but the majority by far were Crocs, um, which led to the discovery of more stories coming out of foxes stealing shoes. So not just balls, but shoes. Um, They are now shoe thieves. So in 2019, um, a lady in Australia reported that a fox kept stealing one of her boots, and she has it on video, like, over the week. It, like, just kept stealing her shoe. In 2018, in Japan, a pair of foxes stole more than 40 pairs, and they were caught by five officers on a stakeout. (laughs) I think it's funny that the officers were on a stakeout to catch the foxes. I was gonna say... Were they on a stakeout for the fox, or were they just on a I'm stakeout? I'm assuming, I don't know if they knew the foxes that were stealing the shoes. They might have been, like, on a stakeout to, like, apprehend them, and then discovered it were foxes. Huh. That's um, interesting. Yeah. What do foxes need with all these shoes? Um, they don't have that many have feet. just been chewed on. Um, in 2013, a fox left someone seven different shoes in his yard. And then in 2009, a small town in Germany reported a female, a vexen, stole between 110 and 130 shoes in a single night, presumably for her pups to play with. And they Aww. don't know what their, like, what their obsession is with shoes, but they steal them. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. Well, don't most domesticated, well, not most domesticated dogs, but domesticated dogs do have a tendency to chew on shoes as well. Oh, some might haven't chewed on my shoes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I know my mom had a dog that chewed on shoes, but... Yeah. Hmm. But there you go. There's my uh, real-time story. Nice. <laughs> of That's foxes stealing shoes from people's porches. Oh, man. All the fox stories out there. Mm-hmm. These were the ones you decided to share with us. Yep. We are so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Random and crazy facts time. Sounds great. Do we just want to go back and forth? Sure. Until one of us runs out. Sounds great. Cool. You want to start? Um, sure. I can start. Um, so we talked about how fact, uh, you okay? Yep. (laughs) Okay. Choking on my own spit. It's okay. Um, so we talked about how foxes are kind of like cats, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so one of these things is that they are good at mousing or hunting um and so they have sensitive front paws to capture and pin prey and they use a lot of uh, their hunting skills to kind of hunt like cats so they'll have a piercing bite to affect a prey kill um and it's often compared to a bite like a snake um or other canines and their eye features so kind of continuing with the cat comparisons um are obviously they're the kind of narrow slits so they're also nocturnal which we also talked about but um for their paws they also catch and pin their prey specifically stalking them um which i've seen with my cats like they stalk things all the time um yeah and it's usually used to capture small prey items like mice and fowls um I think that's all the cat comparisons I've got. 
So, since we're talking about hunting, I'll talk about their little magnetic field thing. So, it's recently discovered and believed that foxes um, use the Earth's magnetic field to help them hunt. So, as Jayla was talking about their mousing um, hunting technique, which is where they, like, basically, like, jump and, like, dive headfirst into, like, the snow um, and other things. So, they are thought to use their, like, an, they're thought to use an internal compass to determine the distance of prey. Um, studies have shown that they, I wrote this so small, studies have shown that when they do their mousing attack technique, majority of the attacks are facing northeast, um, with a 74% chance. A seventy-four percent success rate, oh. while any other direction was only at an eighteen percent success rate, and they think it's because they can see um, a ring of like quote shadow on their retina that is superimposed, um, so it's on its surroundings and always fixated towards the magnetic north. So they line up the shadow of where they can hear their prey, and then. They basically plot their trajectory, (laughs) such a hard word for me, um, to launch its attack, which is similar to that that the math missiles use to hit their own targets. Huh. So they basically use, like, the way that their eyes and stuff look towards the magnetic north. They can pinpoint where their prey is going. They can kind of see it in a way. And they hear it, and then they use that with their distance with how far to launch themselves to land on their prey. And they have a really high success rate. That's really interesting. Right? So crazy. Huh. I don't understand magnetic fields enough to explain it further than what I basically almost copied from the internet. <laughs> that's that's fair. I think <laughs> it's really interesting that you brought up the eye um and their eyes, like, how they can see. Yeah, like, their little shadow in their retina that, like, reacts with the magnetic yeah. field of the planet. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Because what I found was that their, mm-hmm. which was my literal next fact, um, is that foxes pro- possess the dichromatic, so two-color vision, which I feel like... Like dogs! Yes, exactly like dogs. Um, so they're essentially red and green colorblind. Mm-hmm. Um, so that results in the foxes not seeing necessarily in black and white, so like no color, but that they see the world in more pastel shapes than vibrant colors like you and I. So it's a yeah. lesser saturation. Yeah, uh, but they're really good at seeing movement and reaction. Right, and with their supersonic hearing, I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah. So, huh. All right, well, that was my, my fact, so you can go again. <laughs> Okay, um, there is a type of red fox called the Samson fox, um, and the reason why they're called Samson foxes, even though they're still red foxes, is because it's a recessive genetic mutation that prevents their, um, long guard hair, which is basically their outer coat, from growing properly, causing the undercoat to tightly coil, giving the fox, like, a wooly, like, a wooly appearance, um, and then they are generally larger and have uh, higher metabolisms, and they also have larger fat deposits under their skin and, like, near their intestines to help insulate them, since they don't have the right fur to do so. Huh. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I did a little bit more digging about Darwin's fox. Um, so I kind of went off the red fox radar. But, Whoa-oh. sorry, <laughs> Darwin's fox was discovered by Darwin, obviously. Lovely. Um, while he was in San Pedro Island off of the coast of Chile in 1824. The small gray fox is critically endangered and lives in just two spots in the world. One population is on the island of Chiloe um, in Chile, and the second is in uh, Chilean National Park. The fox's greatest threats are unleashed domestic dogs that carry diseases like rabies. So that's about all I learned about it. But I wanted to know why it was called the Darwin Fox, and it's literally because Darwin discovered it, of course. Your rabies thing leads into my, like, next fact perfectly. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes! Okay, so this was all because of some random thing I heard during watching one of, like, the little documentaries I watched. Um, But this is my tangent I discovered. So rabies with foxes was a really big deal, so there were anti-rabies campaigns... And they would basically kill a bunch of foxes um, and also do, like, a bunch of vaccinations to try and, like, contain the rabies. Um, Switzerland had Switzerland had um, great success in the 1970s with bait vaccine drops, which is where they would basically drop um, baits full of the vaccine and the foxes would eat them. And then it would give them the protection to not pass rabies on to anyone else. Hmm. Um, and that was pretty successful. And the reason I went down this little rat foxhole <laughs> was because during the documentary when they were talking about the urban foxes and the people, like, feeding them in their backyard and basically, like, going out and, like, tossing them food and, like, watching them. Right. It's like, we don't have to worry about them biting us because we've been like, Great in Britain doesn't have to worry about rabies. And I was like, what? What do you mean Britain doesn't have to worry about the rabies? I looked it up. Great Britain has been rabies-free since 1922. Wow. How'd they do that? What? I don't know. <laughs> They're really, I guess, picky on, like, um, vaccinating your animals huh. <laughs> and stuff. But, yeah, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. There's my little rabies tangent. Interesting. I don't have any more facts about rabies. Sorry. That's okay. I don't have any more facts about rabies either. I can talk about the fox's uh, posture, though. Sure. So, I guess I lied. This is my last cat-related fact. I also have two cats, <laughs> so I'm very much a cat person more than a dog person. Sorry, Nicole. But that's okay. um, I guess that's why I, I really like cats. foxes. Foxes are a good middle ground for us, then. It's true. It's true. But one of the cat-like behaviors that can be found on foxes is that they will have the lateral threat display. Um in aggressive displays. So that's when they stand sideways, they have their back arched, their fur is like up in the air. It's like the the cat tries to make itself as big as possible to like get get its opponents away. Um, (laughs) And so it's a very classic like cat pose and it seems out of place. Intimidation. Yes, it's for intimidation purposes, Um, but it's usually very out of place for a canine to do, but the foxes do Mm -hmm. them. Um, which is kind of interesting. Interesting. So, do you have any more fox facts? I do. Cool. Domesticated pet foxes. Ooh. Here we go. 
What everyone really wants to know. Can you own a fox? Can I and own a fox? the right pet for you. Yes, it is. Can you own a fox? It is the right pet okay. for me. <laughs> so they are not domesticated, um, but some people do have them as pets. Um, red foxes aren't as common as the fennec fox. I think I'm saying fennec? Yes. Phoenix? Oh. Um, which are super cute, by the way. Um, one reason why red foxes aren't as common is because their y- urine is the smelliest of all foxes. It is so bad. It's kind of skunk-like, and it's near impossible to get the smell out. I have a question. Yes. Who sat around and smelled all the foxes' urine? It was like, this is the smelliest. Uh, someone who's as obsessed with you, but actually made a career out of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Aha! Um... There is one breed of red fox, the Russian red fox, also known as the Siberian fox. Um, It is super rare and hard to come by, but it is claimed to be a domesticated fox. And the reason why is in 1959, they did a breeding experiment where they bred the most temperament um, foxes and basically made the domesticated fox. And its features changed slightly and its temperament is similar to a dog. Um, and the reason they did this experiment was inspired by how dogs became domesticated from wolves and how their appearance changed while you domesticated them. Like, they got floppy ears and different things. Um, so people claim that they have Siberian foxes, but they're actually really hard to get in the United States, and they're also just really, really rare in Russia in general. So there's that. So now the segment of is this the right pet for you? <laughs> Here's what you need to know before you decide to own a fox. It's not legal everywhere. It requires not cheap and very special permits to get in the first place. They are very vocal and loud, especially if they're cooped up all day. They need an outdoor enclosed space. your fences need to go several feet below the surface because they like to dig and burrow. Um, They love digging. They're always running around. They're playing. They don't necessarily love cuddles. They're really smart and curious, so they're always getting into your stuff. They'll destroy your furniture if they're not well stimulated. Um, Their eating habits can be tricky. Because they can eat, like, kibble-like food, but they also need natural food. But you can't only ever feed them natural food. And you also need to, like, give them the stimulation of finding and hunting their food. So you have to, like, stash their food places for them to, like, forage and find. They can be litter box trained, which is cool. But they will still mark things with their scent. Of course. Um, Which is really, really smelly. They stink really bad. Um, which I have information on that later with our lightning round. Oftentimes, if a person is bitten, they are usually confiscated to be put down and checked for rabies unless, like, the person who's bitten volunteers to be, like, uh, treated for rabies. Um, and they're not cheap. They run anywhere from 300 to $3,000. Wow. So, how many of you are going to donate money so that I can get a fox? <laughs> and everything you need to own it. Yep. The outdoor enclosure. Lots of the land. Food, the land. The <laughs> detergent I'm going to need to get that smell out of my clothes. <laughs> Cough it up. I know you got it. <laughs> 
that was the last, like, big fact I have. All the rest I have are, like, really short, like, our lightning round facts, so. Cool. I think I also have lightning round facts. Oh, oh, actually, this one's kind of longer. I'll just share this one. Okay. Um, so you're talking about how foxes were found in uh, cemeteries and with people. Mm. Um, yes. We talked about that briefly. I This fact I found is that although foxes are wild animals, the relationship with humans goes way back. So then 2011, researchers opened a grave in a 16,500-year-old cemetery in Jordan to find the remains of a man and his pet fox. This was 4,000 years before the first known human and domesticated dog were buried together. Dang. So somebody did have a pet fox, was invested. Something. They probably didn't have a cage or the detergent to get that out of their clothes. <laughs> so they were buried with it because it smelled so bad. Contain it. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's the longer fact that I've got. Nice. Lightning round, then you go through yours? Sounds great. All right. Um, so you already talked about their impressive range of colors and patterns. Um, oh. <laughs> they, red foxes, are taking over the Arctic fox territories, which is not very good for Arctic foxes. And, disturbingly, they will kill and eat Arctic foxes. Sad! They're eating their cousins! Yeah. Um, so... So their smell, so they secrete a smelly odor from their scent glands like a skunk, um, which is used to distinguish themselves more like a perfume rather than a defense mechanism of a stink bomb. So okay. that's why they always smell. Because they like to smell. Huh. Um, Interesting. One of their signs of submission is them smiling so they that's smile that's what my fact was oh no you can have it back no it's okay <laughs> they can jump over six feet their forepaws have five toes and their hind paws only have four toes and they don't have dew claws you fact stealer <laughs> i'm sorry and they can also run up to 30 like speeds of 31 miles per hour oh okay i didn't have that one <laughs> You already stole, like, a bunch of mine just from talking about your normal, like, categories. I was, like, going through. I was, like, she talked about that. She talked about that. Oh, pups can do eight vocal sounds when they're little. And oh, And then as they cool. get older, they develop more. Huh. Interesting. All right. There you go. Cool. Well, clearly, we should have just collaborated on all of our facts <laughs> today. Because um, you got the five toes, which is what I was going to say. Oh. Oh, no. Back to the whiskers thing. Uh, whiskers are oh, not... Yes are found not only on a fox's face, but also on his legs. This is because it helps them better navigate in their dark dens and at oh, night. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. That's so interesting. I have to scroll through all my facts now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I stole your facts. Um, <laughs> because of the fox-rich representation in history um, and literature and myths, the Bible, so Ezekiel 13, 4, um, the fox is used as a symbol of lies and falsehood. In Aesop's Tales, um, the fox is portrayed as a rascal. He's sly, clever problem solver. Um, human reactions to the fox, both over history and also in present times, are varied, but are seldom without passion. So that's why I was so passionate about that, that chicken coop. So passionate. 
Even those who dislike this cat-like canine must, however, respect its tenacity and adaptability and its remarkable range of success and existence because it lives literally everywhere. Back to the fox's smile, it is a sign of submission. So along with arching their backs and bringing themselves lower to the ground while laying their ears back, they will also smile at you, which is so cute. It is cute. And then off of the red fox, the fennec fox is one of the smallest foxes. Um, it is actually the smallest fox and the smallest nice. in the canid family. Um, it weighs just two to three pounds. <sighs> However, their ears are the largest ear-to-body ratio of any canid. Their ears... <laughs> That's why they're so popular. Yes, their ears can get up to six inches long, which is about one-third of their total body length. Their ears are so big. And then Arctic foxes don't shiver until it's negative 70 degrees Celsius, which is negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Dang. That's impressive. I shiver at like 55, 60. I don't even know. (laughs) Not even in the negatives. Not even Um, close. Very few... Fahrenheit. People I know have experienced negative degree weather, but coming from Wisconsin, that negative degree tundra will tell you it's not fun. So this Arctic fox is super impressive. <laughs> yeah, so crazy. So that's all my facts. Cool. Red foxes and a few others here and there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's so much about the fox; it's insane, and that's not even all of the information I found. Like you know, I know. I'm sure. To- it's so crazy. So crazy. And this is why they're my favorite animal. So keep your chickens away. <laughs> protect your foxes. Hide your wife, hide your kids, and hide your chickens. <laughs> I am coming out with my foxes. My Alicia foxes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Your, le- your leash of foxes. It sounded like you said Alicia. <laughs> I was like, like Alicia Keys? What does that have to do with it? Alicia Keys and I are going to go get some foxes and we're going to team up. And we're coming for your chickens. You <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just stick my chicken outside and see what <laughs> takes it. <laughs> and that is the quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. I hope you guys had fun. I, yes, I hope you enjoyed learning about foxes as much as we did. <laughs> my favorite thing is, like, gathering all this information and then just telling yes. you. Yes. I love it so much. And I love that we, so we don't share facts currently with each other until we talk in the podcast. So it's always really nice surprise to hear what Nicole has to say and hear her stories and what she finds and what she finds interesting and what she decides to tell us about how foxes decide to eat their children and everything else. And vice versa. (laughs) Which is why sometimes our facts overlap. That is true. (laughs) We try, but it still happens because, you know, there's so many cool things. But it's nice to have a surprise sometimes. It is. I mean, I was quite surprised, so. I was too. Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole. And Jayla. Please like and subscribe so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. Thank you.
We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners. So feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or may be talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Animal Facts Podcast for updates and other random things. Click the link in the description for our resources, merchandise, and other cool things. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until Until next next time, bye! bye! Well, here is my very last fact, and this has nothing to do with foxes. These are just random animal facts. A pig's orgasm lasts 30 minutes. Do they oink the entire time? (laughs)